I am George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Some have spoken about encountering other entities whilst they remote view, uh, especially when they're remote viewing space and putting themselves out there. Have you ever encountered anything like that? You mentioned the Roswell remote viewing and yeah. you, you moved yourself into the bodies of other life forms. At most targets, uh, you know, and, and this includes normal day-to-day targets. Like, you know, when, I, when I'm doing the cryptos, uh, I, will, I will look at the CEO the, uh, of the crypto to see how they're doing maybe move inside their mind to see what they're thinking at the time, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it, you know, we can do, it's not just um, non-physical life forms that we can interact with. Uh, we can interact with physical ones as well on, on many different levels. And, you know, you can do that without remote viewing. You can do that, you know, in, in channeling, in med- guided meditations or anything. It's, it's an amazing world out there. It's, it's like, there's this vast universe and it's got so many layers to it. And each layer you encounter has a smorgasbord of different non-physical and physical life forms. Um, it's just that unfortunately as humans, our physical eyes are blind to, to, to most of this. And when you remote view any of these physical life forms, is there ever a connection the other way that they're aware that you are there remote viewing them? Uh, I only found that once, and that was in looking at the occupants in the craft that was the Phoenix Lights craft. Um, that was the only time where I felt that they, yeah, even though I was looking at something like 10, 15 years after the event, it felt like uh, there was a connection there and they knew, yeah, in it's very strange to see, you know, I'm remote viewing a target 15 years before. But it felt like the connection was direct at, from them being there at the time of looking at the target. So, yeah, it's a very huge conundrum for, for from time, you know, and a lot of remote viewers don't believe that time exists because of what we can do with remote viewing. Um, but, yeah, that was the that was the only time I feel a connection. For me, as a pro, I mean, we all have different belief systems within remote viewing. But for me, as a, as a remote viewer, I don't – I'm not sure I actually believe – or have seen any evidence in the in the hundreds of thousands of projects I've seen uh, over twenty five years. I haven't seen any evidence that we actually in any way travel to the targets. I think that all the information about everything in the known universe, past, present, future, is accessible within all of us. So I think it's just information that's within me that I'm accessing at some level. Now the Phoenix Lights event is a particular favourite of mine, so I'd be remiss not to ask you for some more detail there. What was the background to to remote viewing that particular target, and could you elaborate any more on the actual experience of the session? Yeah, that was that was my, one of my favourites because I actually did some really good sketches of a triangle shaped craft above a city on that one. Uh, again, it was a blind target given to me. I, I think yeah, it was given to me by the Farsight Institute. Um, oh, 
it must be 10, 10 years ago now. And again, it was blind. Myself, Dick Auguire, and I think another remote viewer worked that one. And we worked it on paper and then live on video. And it, yeah, we just had some amazing detail of a really advanced technology that was flying strangely over an urban location. And I did describe and draw the, you know, this triangle uh, shaped craft in great detail. Uh, and then, you know, having some kind of conversation or interaction, I should say, that's a better word, interaction with the life forms that were involved in, in, in that event. And, and what was that back and forward like, that connection? Was it uh, verbal? Was it more of a feeling? I just, yeah, I do so many of these, to be honest. I can't remember all of it. I'd have to watch the video again. But I do vaguely remember that it was the only and first time that it wasn't just me getting information that seemed to be you know, me connected to an information pathway. It was more like there was a two-way connection. They knew I was getting information. Um, they didn't seem to mind, um, but they didn't seem to... Not, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not that they weren't friendly; they were just vaguely neutral in, in it all. You know, it was almost like I was an inconvenience. Yeah, I was an inconvenience to what they were doing, um, and maybe they were a bit intrigued as well that we were kind of looking at them in in some way. Sure, it sounds like when a child walks into the kitchen <laughs> and you're cooking, and you're like, yes. "Yeah, I, I mean, you're not doing any harm, Absolutely. but I'd rather you weren't here." Yeah. Uh, a bit like that. But I, if I remember correctly, we probably had that online in somewhere as well. So, so people can actually see the live on-camera remote viewing for all these projects. You know, Area 51, Roswell. Um, yeah, I think the Phoenix Lights is online in that, in that regard as well. That's when I'll go back and check out myself. What are some of the common misconceptions on remote viewing that you hear? Yeah, the biggest one is, and it's all down to the name really, remote viewing in that most people think uh, remote viewing is, is, is like a stream of images in, in, in your mind. And in reality, I would say only 1% to 2% of the information I get is a visual piece of information. And that visual piece of information I, I will get is a bit like, um, I don't know what they're called, but you know when you look at a bright light and then you look away and you have, a, you have that afterglow. Mm. That's, that, that's the quality of the flash of visual information i'll get it'd be like a quick millionth of a second afterglow that fastly dissipates so that's how i get visual information but the majority of the information for me and you know it's it's sensory stuff so it's like smell taste touch you know i can do all that at the target but for me it's just i have an internal feeling that if i tasted the target it would taste a certain way or if i smelt the target it would smell a certain way so it's all just words that bubble up from my un un unconscious, uh, uh, hardly visual in any way. I want to get into listener questions because it touches on some of the things I've I've not done any deep diving into yet with you. Um, you mentioned earlier, you talked about time and you've mentioned that many remote viewers and many other people who listen to this podcast, that, that time doesn't exist. Um, do you <coughs> lean towards creation being multidimensional with multiple timelines um, if so, how do you know if a target is from our timeline or another? Again, that's a good question. I don't think we. I don't think uh, science knows yet. Yeah, the biggest studies they did on remote viewing was uh, the twenty-two. I think twenty-two year Stargate uh, remote viewing study. You know, and that was done at SRI involving the military. They spent you know from seventy-two to ninety-five uh, and a tune of twenty-two million dollars uh, researching remote viewing. 
And they didn't, in all that time, they didn't uh, come up with a theory of how remote viewing works. And t t today, even, you know, another 20 years on down the line again, I still see no evidence in any way of what's going on. No one has a clue about how remote viewing works or how time works. All we know is it doesn't seem to be as linear as past, present and future as we, we like to think. Because, you know, I have recorded examples on my remote viewing online where the, the project task managers come to me and says, okay, uh, there is no target right now, but the event will happen in 30 days from now. But that the event won't be chosen until another 30 days after that by someone who will go back, look through the news and pick it. But I was essentially doing my remote viewing for a target that didn't exist as an event for 30 days. And then it wasn't picked as a target for 60 days. And yet my remote viewing was still completely accurate on all those projects. I mean, how does that, how does that happen if I'm remote viewing a target that doesn't happen for 30 days and then it's not even picked by some random way by someone that I have no connection with 30 days after that. So 60 days later, it's, it's mind boggling how it works. We, you know, we just, we're just stuck in a conundrum at the moment as remote viewers. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't help in that the official program was finished in 1995 and there hasn't been any serious funding of remote viewing research and theories and mechanisms since, and, you know, it, you know, it does need a, a big study, you know, almost like needs like Bob Bigelow to come along and, and say, yeah, let's do a remote viewing project study. Here's 10 million, uh, hire the best people, sit down for a year or two and do it. That, that question was from Jared that I forgot to mention. Just to follow up on that, though, Daz, you mentioned the, the previous programs finished in 1995. Does it not give you some kind of hope or have you ever had any incline that other projects have gone on in some capacity? We hear about OSAP and ATIP that obviously happened and no one would have ever thought the US government would have had official acknowledgement of UFO programs that there may have still been some aspect of a program going on in the background on remote viewing? Or do you think it would have to come from a more out there character like a Bob Bigelow? Well, that's a really good question. Um, a year ago, I would have said no, uh, because I'm quite involved with quite a lot of people within the community. Not only that, I, uh, I do a lot of historical research, you know, looking at people's archives in, in the universities and, and so forth. And I'd seen no evidence whatsoever of that. Um, but I have had two separately confirmed statements. And I'm being careful what I say here because I'm not allowed to mention any names. Um, I had two very knowledgeable, higher people in the know independently confirm to me that there are certain uh, agencies st still using active remote viewing Um operations and that's only been in the last four or five months uh so i have to take those um statements very credible because the the people are very credible um so yeah i have to assume that uh, my previous 20 years of not being able to find anything whatsoever on an active program is probably superseded and it there probably is but i think it's probably gone the way of like the the uap research whereas it's gone into like private subcontracted organizations mm. so it's not like you know it wouldn't be like the nsa or cia or you know anyone got their own remote viewing unit or something they probably 
subcontract out to some kind of organization or, or corporation that gives them data. And, and you, you know, you've seen how it is, is with the reports we've been seeing coming out recently about UAPs. It's probably not even called remote viewing anymore. It's probably called some kind of weird kind of like, I don't know, non-local information, you know, report number one or something, something like yeah. that. You know, it's going to be something innocuous and hidden away. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I do believe now that uh, it is probably happening on, on a, a larger scale than, than I previously believed. Next question from David, uh, David Steele. When someone remote views something like UFOs at the very edges of what we understand, how important is it to consider the beliefs of the remote viewer as well as their cultural and social background when analysing the data afterwards? Yeah, yeah, it's very important. And not only the remote viewer, um, the person tasking the target as well. Um, Again, I'd need to see more research on this, but I'm convinced that if you have a person that's tasking the target who has a quite a good uh, psychic or intuitive sensibility themselves. And they have it. And then they also have maybe not so much of an open mind towards the data that they expect to receive. So, you know, almost like they've, they've got a conclusion already set in their mind of what they want to see back. I think it's very possible that they may be in some way influencing the quality of the data that, the remote viewer reports, which is why, as I said, uh, independent feedback uh, and feedback information is paramount to to assessing the accuracy of the remote viewing. Next question from Ben. Ben asks, how does opening the Merkaba or light body play a role in remote viewing? Well, in my class, classical psychic training, um, it's a huge part of that. Uh, in remote viewing, I would say, for me, anyway, no part whatsoever. But interestingly, I've observed that any belief systems you have that might hinder or help what you do psychically, um, you bring that to the table. So if you believe you have to open your chakras and you know have crystals on your knees and palms to do remote viewing, if you believe that, then it might work for you and make you better uh, at doing it. Um I don't have any belief systems like that. So literally for me, I don't go into a trance or anything. I can, you know, I could remote view and I have done on a plane, on a, on a coach, on a train, you know, in an office for the people. So I could literally just sit here, have a conversation with you. And at the same time, do, do my remote viewing session on my, on my, on my tablet and, and do it that way. So there's no, for me personally, there's no kind of mystical esoteric things in any way. It's just, it's just like knuckling down and doing, doing a job for me. It's like finding your own way and what works for you that what allows yes. you to get that kind of best result. Yeah, absolutely. We're all individuals, and, and yeah, I, I believe that what your belief system is, you bring that to the table. And if it, you know, if you know, like, for example, there are some people within remote viewing that believe that you can't have, you can't drink coffee because it's a stimulant and that will affect your remote viewing. Now, because they believe that, that probably is the case for them. But because I don't, it you know, it doesn't bother me. I'll sit there with a cup of coffee or a couple of hot chocolate and just just do my thing. That's good to hear. It's well noted on the podcast. I'm a fan of a Starbucks coffee or three. So um, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for those that have used to buy me a coffee recently. They've been put to good use. Um <laughs> question from Tony. Have you ever encountered any entity or, or being that either detected you? You've mentioned that with the Phoenix Lights in a way, yeah. or it was potentially hostile towards you whilst conducting remote viewing? Oh, um, 
more so more, I had more interactions with negative entities when I was doing my classical psychic stuff before remote viewing. So that was a lot of clairvoyance and, and guided kind of meditations and channeling. Um, yeah. So a lot there, but again, as I said before, that was very spontaneous. The, the process is in control of you and what you do rather than you being controlled because remote viewing and what I do is controlled. I'm in control of the, the process. Not so much. I did once do a RV session and it was, it was my first attempt at area 51 before when I got on video and I only had a quick look at it and I did see some kind of gray alien type entity thing lying on a table at something like a 45 degree angle. And as I psychically tried to approach it, it leapt off the table, bounced off the wall, literally like some kind of wild cat type creature. And that freaked me out so much that I did come out of my RV session and like, like say, Whoa, I'm staying way away from that one and not go back. So that, but that, yeah, that and the, and the uh, Phoenix lights are the only two occurrences. And interestingly, they're both uh, non-human, non-physical interactions that manage to do that. I have never had any anything like that off 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 a, a human target in any way. And those previous, you know, mod modalities, if you want to call them that, where you you did encounter those negative energies, negative spirits, whatever you want to call them. Why do you think that was? Is it the it's there's a less of a control in place with those than there is with remote viewing? Yeah, definitely, definitely less of a control structure. Um, it's just the the makeup of the way that you know we were taught to do it then, and the way most people are taught in those classical uh, ways of doing, yeah, doing that kind of thing. So you know, you would open up some kind of like you would visualize opening up a portal kind of thing, and then you would go out for the portal to investigate search different realms, and yeah, unfortunately uh and you know and um, this needs to be said there are a lot of life forms that are non-human and non-physical that want to or seem to derive great pleasure from messing around with us on a psychological level you know they're tricksters they like to play jokes they like to uh treat us uh not so nice you know it, i'm not saying that's, it, that's always the case but there are those kind of entities out there as well is the good experiences and you, you have to be aware of that on that same vein and same path john coughlin asks us has the hitchhiker effect ever been known to manifest in a remote viewing scenario do remote viewers take any precautions to avoid any entities kind of catching on to them yeah um i guess some of them do uh, again it's it's in my belief system is that i'm not going anywhere you know i'm just accessing information so i I don't allow that to happen. Once I write, and I, at the end of every viewing session, I write the day, the time I finish, and I write end. And, you know, when I'm writing end there on the viewing session, it's to give myself like a verbal cue that that's it. This is cut, all connections cut off, no more. Um, and I'm quite strong in doing that. I haven't seen a hitchhiker effect in any way, but I have started asking the question around the community after reading the uh, Skinwalker Pentagon book because if we are accessing the UAPs and, and the, the life forms that are uh, working with them, it might be possible that if we have a belief system that believes that interaction can be physical to us, that we bring that back with us. I mean, I think it needs to study. I have seen some, un, you know, some, some kind of 
data that I've gathered that I can't really confirm to any great level that psychics that I've encountered in my 25 years of doing this kind of research, not just remote viewers, but psychics in general do have quite a lot of um, very interesting uh, illnesses and diseases like immune diseases. Um, and, you know, heart attacks and immune disease and stuff seem to be quite prevalent. Now, you know, I'm only going on kind of information I've ad hoc gathered. I can't confirm that in any way. I would like to see some research on that. But I think I think it's I do think it's a possibility that I've just started discussing with people in the field that we should maybe consider in, in some way. Uh, long time listener Gnosis, who's a, a never present over on the Discord channel. If you compare remote viewing to, for example, the way lucid dreaming is now a recognised and legitimate phenomenon, remote viewing still appears very much a grey and unproven area. What factors do you feel are holding remote viewing back from getting that mainstream recognition? Um, I think that's a misconception. I don't think it's seen as not being valid. I mean, there's there's more evidence, documented evidence out there available on the internet and through books for the validity of remote viewing than there is for any other paranormal subject. And I'd probably include UFOs in that as well. I mean, you know, I'm looking at here by the side of me here. I have four books called The Stargate Archives, and it's by Dr. Ed May and a couple of other scientists. And it has every major paper that was produced by SRI in the military so it's probably thousands of pages of, of papers in chronological order that people can just buy. Or you can you can go to several places on the internet and download them as FOIA CIA documents. Uh, it's the the data is there. You know, it's been it's been proved millions of times that remote viewing works. I think where I'd, where I would agree with with notice and you're right that the data is there and of course you can go into the CIA archives and and view all sorts of things and experiments and papers. If, for example, you know, Lou Elizondo does one of his appearances on mainstream news, which he's done, and within those, he breaks from that really serious nuts and bolts conversation and starts talking about remote viewing, mm-hmm. it would it, there would be a tone shift, and I feel your, your news anchors and people would jump on that. So I can see why that sort of area is still almost held back on in the same way that anyone who claims they've had an experience with beings or entities uh, in terms of, you know, the UFO phenomenon isn't still part of the conversation. And they feel again, they're not being allowed to have that, you know, kind of validity or, you know, this is happening to us because it's still too out there. So I get that aspect of it because largely I think much of the public if you explain remote viewing to them would say regardless of the data that that sounds like nonsense would that still be fair it's not my experience because I'm being hired for it and I you know for four years I've been uh, you know, for four years now it's been a it's my full it's my full-time job I work as a remote viewer for the subscribers that that you know kindly pay for us to do these experiments and give them information so it's, that's not my experience, and it's not my experience from looking at the research as well. And in fact, I would say that up until the New York Times revelations, you know, where where UAPs became uh, common, I would say that actually in paranormal and esoteric subject matters, remote viewing had more credibility than UAP research did, and it's only just recently flipped because of the latest stuff that's come out. I mean, for you know, for the last twenty years, we had serious remote viewing researchers uh, 
decrying what I and others did because we were bringing UAP research and UFOs and aliens into uh, into the UF into the remote viewing circles, and it was tarnishing. Mm. It was tarnishing remote viewing. Now we're kind of flipped on its head, and it's almost like the UF, UAP people are saying, "Oh, it's being it's tarnishing us if you're bringing remote viewing into it." So it's very strange how that that has happened. Um, but yeah, I guess it depends where you are in the world, what you've researched, uh, what you've seen, who you who you, who you familiarize yourself in day to day. Everyone I know is um, hardcore into UFOs and paranormal subjects. So it, you know, I I probably have a different viewpoint than than the, the normal the normal person on the street no it's a good response and a, a good question uh, jason from los angeles asks in your experience do you know if it's possible to interact with someone else who is remote viewing at the exact same time to your knowledge has that ever been accomplished in any way i've mm, i i've not really seen any evidence in it and i've looked at tens of thousands of, of trials and bear in mind as well for a lot of the projects i work and everyone else works as well you work it as a team. So someone will set the target blindly and they'll get five remote viewers to all go to that one target. And then the target time for it might be the exact same five seconds. And in the remote viewing that's recorded, you know, recorded on paper. And I've, I've seen this for thousands of projects. You never, I've never seen any of the other remote viewers in their data, write down seeing other remote viewers at the target, even though that you've all gone there at the same millisecond. Have you ever, and I'm trying to remember who I spoke to, it was another remote viewer, uh, they were asked about a remote viewer remote viewing them or vice versa and the other person being aware of it and almost turning to acknowledge. Is that something you've ever, he- ever heard of or is, again, is that something you've not came across? No, I've heard I've heard that is, you know, kind of like rumours within r- remote viewing circles. But I, again, I've never seen... I, uh, I'm a bit more purist and hardcore. I like to before, before I evaluate anything. I like to see, I like to see the data on paper and then evaluate it against you know the project under the right circumstances. So I've seen anecdotal stories from people on it. I've never seen it in any remote viewing data anywhere. Um, Valis or Valis has said that uh, I've heard an experienced remote viewer can affect the health of a person or being. We talked earlier, obviously, about the the rumours of the goats' hearts being stopped and, and whatnot. Famously, men who stare at goats kind of Hollywoodize that. Yeah. Have you ever considered trying this on an evil person? And they've put like Vladimir Putin, for example. So you know, <laughs> politics aside, yeah. but I, I get the tone and what they're asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, and there is a a subtalk topic within remote viewing called re- remote influencing or the SRI and military called it re- remote action. Um, and in the doc, in the official documentation, you'll find hints of it in the CIA archives, but you won't find anything concrete. I know they looked at it. Uh, and I know that, you know, they tried to get Yori Geder to do some very dubious stuff. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't get others to do it as well. It's not something I've ever done or want to do because you know i believe in just not harming people really do no harm and that kind of thing i do believe it's possible though um, we know for a fact you know through, through research that you know people when they when they do absent prayers for people it, it's had an effect on the person they're they're praying for and stuff uh and you know we also know that people have you know the the effect where they can they can heal themselves uh the placebo effect all that kind of stuff so we do know that our minds can affect our bodies in some way I just don't know 
to what you know i haven't seen enough research into into what effect and and how much but i do believe it's all possible but i err anyone to be very careful of trying to negatively influence someone else or something else because um that kind of stuff usually comes back to bite you some form of karma or whatever that what might be in your yeah. in your belief system i'm a great believer that the universe tries to live or tries to achieve achieve a state of balance uh and for every bad negative thing you do like that something might uh swing your way to to re- readdress that balance um, a really interesting question from Newman. Um, Newman asks, why wasn't the US able to leverage remote viewing for counter-terrorism operations in Afghanistan and Iraq in the 2000s and 2010s if it's such an effective technique? Again, for a bit of context, recall the US hunted bin Laden for 10 years in the Middle East, and he thinks if there was any really substantive claims behind you know, uh, remote viewing and its effectiveness, the US would have leveraged it for counterterrorism operations. I suppose that goes for any sort of event like that, including the UK, UK mm-hmm. you know, hunting terrorists and, and London bombers and such. Yeah, well, you know, as we discussed earlier, we don't know for a fact that they're not using remote viewers to look at that kind of thing, you know, and there is some kind of uh, more recent uh, evidence from people in the know that they are. Um, and we don't know, you know, we we only, we're we're talking about events here that we get to hear through normal, filtered propaganda media. We don't know how many terrorist attacks have been foiled on a year by year basis, and we don't know how they foil them. It's quite possible, uh, for all we know, you know, ten, fifteen events a year may have been prevented by a team of you know intelligence agencies subcontracted remote viewers somewhere. We just don't know about it, and you know. How would we know about it if they were that secret? Devil's advocate here, and I'm thinking of both sides of the argument, that you mentioned it's not perfect, and no one has ever claimed remote viewing is perfect. There's the 100% accuracy, so there is the, the opportunity or chance that the US and other governments and agencies do use remote viewers, mm-hmm. but it does take that time, and we don't know that they may or may not have had a hand in finding Bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, and and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, on the other hand, there's no real way, and we we talked before about you you feel that stigma has maybe gone from it and there's a legitimacy, but could the US and all good conscience come out, say, for example, when they did find Bin Laden and say, actually, this wasn't our crack Navy SEAL team or, you know, spies, this was actually, you know, remote viewers who found Bin Laden. That's not going to happen, is it? Uh, probably not. Like just in the same regard as they don't, they're not coming out and saying that the Tic Tac UFOs are theirs. And would you say they are? Um, from remote viewing it in a remote viewing project, no, not at all. Um, but I do believe that some of the UAPs encountered over the last thirty years, in a majority, have been tested tested craft. You know, and I'm convinced that they have their own versions of these uh non-human craft that they're that they're flying you know based on based on our technology and a bit of theirs um but we don't know that either you know we don't know the extent of that of what's going on with that because it's it's in us 
people will shout at me, Daz, if I don't ask you about the Tic Tac event. And I know it's something that's been talked about to death. I'm sure. speaking to, to Lou Elizondo. As people hear this, it will be out already. Um, but as we record this, the interview is this Saturday. And it's not something I plan on bringing up because what more can be said about it in terms of mm-hmm. asking people like Lou or, or Sean Cahill or Gary Voorhees or Kevin Day, they've said all that's to be said. But yeah. as a remote viewer, you're you're viewing the event from a very unique point of view. So yes. again, with that event, what did you manage to view and what are your, your takeaways from it? Yeah, again, uh, I put the video of all the remote viewing online so people can have a look at that on my channel. Um, but yeah, I, I observed the craft uh, you know, and drew a perfect tic-tac-shaped craft. Again, I worked target blind. I didn't know that this was what I was working when I was given the target. Uh, and I show it, you know, going transmedium through different mediums. I showed a, the the energy system of the craft and how it works. And I think I may even de- go into great detail about how it symbiotically works uh, with the occupant that's driving it as well. In that there's this kind of D, uh, DNA AI kind of interaction. The craft themselves are not only physical and non-physical at the same time. Um, but there's also a, a symbiotic intelligence in the craft that you can almost say the craft's a living thing, and it's a symbiotic relationship with the with the life. So it's not like you get in a car and you drive the car and you're detached from the car. Uh, the occupant is the craft, and the craft is the occupant. A bit more like a like an avatar type scenario where you're like symbiotic relationship or. That's why the that's why the movements are so instantaneous uh, because they're because they're so closely integrated. Um, but yeah, so I detail all that, and again, that's all in a, that's all in a recent video that I put online, uh, probably like six weeks ago. And I did uh, speak to uh, briefly to Sean Cahill about it as well, and he said uh, he said that the remote viewing data is is exactly you know what they experience, and he said it was very accurate. I'll do my best, folks, to find the links to all of the videos we've discussed. I've made notes as we've gone along. What I can do is, um, if if you like, uh, if you give me half an hour after this, I'll send you a, I'll send you a list of list of all the best ones that you can look up. That would be great, yeah, and I'll I'll put those in, especially the Phoenix Lights and the Tic Tac stuff that we've brought yeah. up and discussed. Would be would be wonderful. For- the four projects for all of them are all online uh, where you can actually see myself and other remote viewers, mainly myself in the ones that I'm putting online because it's my material, but you can actually see the live remote viewing. So literally I have no idea what the target is. I've got a whiteboard and a video camera and I'm narrating as I'm doing it and I'm doing all my remote viewing live on camera unedited. I want to ask before we wrap up, Daz, uh, something coming up next for you you've got a bit of an exciting project in the works that you can't say too much about but you can you can say a little so without me asking too much i'll hand that over to you yeah i'm i'm really pleased on it i didn't remote view on this one um i have uh because as i told you i i have all these targets i want to work and no one you know hardly anyone's ever tasked them i have a list a growing list of 86 plus targets uh that i want to remote view myself and i think would benefit from being remote viewed. And this was one of the ones on the list. And I set it for my uh, group of group of remote viewers at crypto viewing. And they got some amazing results on it. And it's essentially a UAP event um, that's caught on video film. Uh, and at the same time as the UAP is caught on video film, there's some kind of weird cow mutilation type thing happening at the same time as well. So I wanted them to look at the event and see what the interaction was there. See, see if there was an interaction or if it was just a coincidence and see what they came up with. 
and you know the data that we'll be showing in about three weeks time uh live remote viewing done blindly as i said is amazing because you will actually see all the remote viewers describe a a non a physical and sometimes non-physical dimensional craft in the sky high technology they'll describe all these interacting with frequencies and rays of light they're doing all kinds of strange biological stuff yeah to a to a life form and it's it's very very interesting now without giving anything away have you spoken to the people who would have been there or around that area at the time about not this yet. event not, not yet but i have access to those people i've made a i made a first um inquiry into that the video you know the full video production doesn't exist yet it's still in production so as soon as i have a full version of it that i'll be able to show them i'm going to try to uh yeah contact the the, the people involved through some of the various groups i'm in uh to see if i can get some kind of statements from them in some way excellent well i look forward to that and when you announce it we'll we'll make sure we put it out on the podcast as well on one of the breakdowns or, or news updates absolutely i mean you know and if you're up for it it may be interesting to get some of the uh, team of remote viewers to, to tell you what they experienced in that i'm sure they come along and do that 100 percent. that would be that would be great um dan is really interested in remote viewing uh, and right now has the time to he's going to be taking part in simeon hines remote viewing class over know, at um, yeah newcrystalmine.com Dan has and Simeon's very kindly offered if anyone wants to do the course, newcrystalmine.com, they can get $50 off using 50RV. Um, Dan's going to be doing it and talking about it on the show as well. Expectations, how the course went. Um, so he's he's very much looking forward to that. So yeah, that would be great if the, the folks that you're working with and, and you're involved with want to come on and, and talk about the project when they can in a bit more detail. I, I would love that as well. I'll absolutely arrange that for you. That'd be no problem. Daz, how can people follow you and also follow your work? Yeah, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we're doing a, quite a lot of work with with my team through uh, crypto viewing, and you can find that on patreon.com forward slash crypto viewing. And that's, you know, cryptos, markets, a few mysteries targets, and lots of news predictions. So, you know, it's a, it's a smorgasbord. Uh, the rest of the information, uh, if you go to YouTube and type in remoteview.com or remoteviewed on, on YouTube, sorry, uh, I have a channel there with something like 100, 150 videos on their talks and interviews and lots of remote viewing examples. And I also have a website called remoteview.com. Uh, and on there, you can find a template and a video to teach yourself how to do it. You can find tens of thousands of pages of CIA documentation. Pretty much anything you'd ever want to know about remote viewing is on there, including hundreds of my remote viewing sessions for you to download as well. Well, it's been Great talking to you. Very interesting. I know I've got a lot of listeners uh, just from the Twitter feed who have an interest in the crypto side of things as well. Yeah. Um, so they'll no doubt be checking that out. And yeah, we'll get those links on there for you folks. And if you're watching on the YouTube, hi, thank you for watching along. And again, those links should also be in the description for you. Um, Daz, thanks for joining us in what is the two-year anniversary of the podcast. It's been a wonderful conversation. It's been great fun. Yeah, I look forward to doing it again. And thank you. We definitely will. Speak to you soon. Yeah, take care. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little Imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. Then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head and everything was weird and everything was red. I helped up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And they think I should see. Because it doesn't really scare me. If you really want to know who I think they'd be, I think it's you and me, and us and we, and him and her, and that and she, and that thing over there, and what's that, Jay? Consider your heart, consider time, consider your space, consider your lies, consider your life.